Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler, from the state of North Carolina, with my co-host, Tim Bench, from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian, from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers, from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordo, from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington, from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips, from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman, from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we're grateful that you're tuned into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We would ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955. Zero five zero eight. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can give me a call at Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington and Courtney Carruthers on the show this evening as they break unto our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that 
you will bless our listeners this evening as those who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked, and it will cause them to consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation, and that they will ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. While even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak and we often fall short of thy will. While we pray to continue to bless us and keep us in love with all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. While we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. Our speakers for this evening in the first segment, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, serves with the West Brower Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. He serves as the evangelist with the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. He'll be answering our question. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Courtney Carruthers, he serves as the evangelist for the Colonial Village Church of Christ there in Chicago, Illinois. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one should be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let it shine 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Don't you worry. 
trying hard to reassure don't you. Reassure. Don't you worry. Don't you cry. Hear me when I say so. Don't you worry. Don't don't cry. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host, Courtney Carruthers, and his subject, that you bear much fruit. Thank you, um, Brother Stevie B., for the privilege and the honor to speak to so many who tune in week after week to get a word of God, to encourage them to keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith not only to encourage, but to give them understanding of what they must do to please God in their daily walk with Jesus. Paul the Apostle mentions in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, he mentions that how he wants them to be pleasing to God by saying that you are worthy of the vocation with which you are called. And in pleasing God, he challenges them to um, he challenges them to to do it with all lowliness and meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. This passage is not my original text, but I'm just as an introduction, I just want us to understand that when we listen to a message or we engage ourselves in a spiritual atmosphere for growth, the idea is to keep our hearts, that is our mind, together, so fitly and tight to where nothing adversarially will disturb our faith in God. It is told, it is reported that our bodies has at least, according to the cyclo, according to Tabor's Medical Cyclopedia uh, Dictionary, that our bodies have at least 96 ligaments or bands to hold it together. If any of those bands are fractured, injured, the whole body feel the pain. Well, in that passage that I just quoted, Ephesians chapter four, in verse. Two, there are at least six or five ligaments, spiritual ligaments, that hold the body together collectively and individually. And if loneliness or meekness, long-suffering, and love is, is injured or fractured, the body will feel pain. We do know that we're living in some troubled times. And like the last song, don't worry, God is near. He's standing by. He will always do what he can through his word to guard us, to guide us, guard us, and keep us safe so that we will not fall apart. And therefore, to keep us from falling apart, it is incumbent upon us, it is imperative that we strive to keep growing in Jesus Christ. How do we grow in Jesus Christ? We must have results. How do we get the results? And I want to show that from John 
chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, how do we get results? What, what, what is the outcome that people must achieve to know if they're growing in Christ? Is the outcome by how many times I go to the building or how many times I attend in online services? No, sir, no, ma'am. Is it through how often I read my Bible? No, if you're not hearing with us said the Lord and growing, you can read your Bible 50,000 times in a year. But if you're not growing and changing, it will not. that's not the outcome. Is it how often I pray? If you don't pray with faith and you're wavering like the sea, the outcome is not what you desire. So I want to show from John 15, 1 through 8, and I'll ask if you will, if you'd like to, we'll take our time so you can write down these notes and thoughts. What does it mean that you bear much fruit? Let's look at John 15, verses 1 through 8, and then we'll give the explanation to the text or to the thought here. Jesus says, true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciple. We have read in the thought, we're reading in the thought, and the operative word is that we must bear fruit, bear much fruit, and bear more fruit. Bear fruit, much fruit, and more fruit. The repetitiveness is that the more we abide, the more we the more we align ourselves, stay attached to God, we will have the results that God intends through his son in us should have. Well, first of all, to bear fruit, we must have humility within us. Humility does not mean that we walk we walk with the disposition in ourselves about ourselves that says um, I can't achieve I'm not achieve or we don't express it but we express our ability to achieve uh, because of Jesus Christ but to achieve humility also means taking the lower level of life to lift someone else out of the lower level of life. Humility is simply serving without recognition because our recognition is not of men, 
but of God. Let's look at that real quickly in John chapter 13, verse 13. The Bible says, and you should know, do verse 17. We know it already, but just for clarity, John chapter um, 13, verses 13 to 17, the Bible says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Yes, he's talking about washing feet or simply what we call his hospitality service that that servants of the house would do for guests or people coming in. When they came to the house, there was no servant at the door. When people come to us in life, whether it's in our church buildings or in our worship service or just generally in life, they need the service of God to entreat them with with the with the will of God, the the blessings of God, or simply the ministry of God that engages them to keep looking unto Jesus and not the servants. Here Jesus is saying, you're going to go throughout life as my disciples. And, and my, my expectations of you is to honor God by serving one another. Humility means serving people, even though they may not, the world may not recognize you. We keep focused on the fact that Jesus recognizes us. Then not only humility, but honesty. John thirteen twenty one. Honesty is recognized in John thirteen twenty one, where the Bible says these words. John thirteen twenty one, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit. And testified and said, Verily, bear I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. To bear fruit, we have to already know that God knows us in our hearts. He expresses it to us. He shows us how we can overcome the fall away, the downfall of our life. But in order to do that, we must, one, recognize that Jesus already knows. Two, that he gives us time to repent of, of what we're going to do before we do it, to confess it. That is, in John thirteen twenty seven, he says, do it quickly. Do we not realize in our life that Jesus allowed us to wake up one more day because he knows that we're worthy to make our calling and our election sure through his son, Jesus? That's God. Do you not know that we're alive today so that we can have eternal life? God, the Bible tells us in First Peter that God is not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance that you're not alive because you took your medicine all the time. You're not alive because of your alarm clock woke you up. You are alive because of the grace of God. And like Jesus is telling Peter in John 13, 27, do whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. If you're going to make Jesus the center of your life, if you're going to please God, have him the power of your life, we must do it quickly because tomorrow is not promised unto us. John James says, what is your life? It is even more than a vapor that appears before a little while. The testimony of being a disciple of Jesus is a word called methetes, the thoughts accompanied by, which is the thought accompanied by endeavors. 
one who intentionally learned by questions and observing, John 13, 34 to 35. The other thing is not only humility and honesty, but we must have hope that we can bear fruit, John 14, 1 to 7. Um, then we must depend on God's help, John 14, 15 to 21. And we must hold on to his, we must hold on to this hope, John 14, 22 to 30. So my question to you who are listening, are you ready for a real relationship with Jesus? The idea here is that if we are ready for a real relationship with Jesus, we must have the we must have the willingness to learn and to apply how to abide in Jesus. Abide is the operative word for engaging into a real relationship with Christ. We are abiding for solid security. Satan does not desire that we please God. Actually, our war, the war that the war between uh, God and Jesus is not about us. It's about Satan. The war between Satan and God is not really about us, but Satan use us, or is using us or is striving to use us to show God that we don't trust him. So here Jesus is saying, if you abide, you stay attached, you build your relationship with him, you are truly a disciple of God. And when you abide in him, the, 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 the objective is, the outcome is, that we bear much fruit. The subject that you bear much fruit is given to help all of us who have a productive relationship with God. Therefore, the 15th chapter of John reveals both our privileges and our responsibility. As branches, we have the privilege of sharing in the life of Jesus. And also, the responsibility is for us to simply abide. The inspiration that is given to us from the word abide is to remain. One, it is to remain in Jesus, dwell in Jesus, live in Jesus. Remain in Jesus takes faith. Dwelling in Jesus takes the idea of saying, I love fellowshipping. And the living for Jesus takes the idea of saying, I trust that my labor will not be in vain. The process of abiding is to be united. And the range of this union is the heart, muscular, vascular system that many, system that many people point to, the fourth chamber, but it's the mind, the intellect, the thought, where everything proceeds, who, who, what makes us, who, who, what makes us, what we do, why we do, our thoughts, our reasoning, the mind, is simply the heart of the spirit. It is the conscience of one's uh, drive in life. However, we must consider, though, we must consider one thing about the heart, that researchers in our scholastic field of, of knowledge says a person's heart is really not their own. 
However, their heart is based upon their context in life, their their um, uh, worldly views, the world views, what they believe, what they grew up with, where they work, where they go to school. These symptoms or systems in life feeds our heart to believe that the way we go is the right way. However. Jesus comes by and says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He even says, I am the door. I am the door of opportunity. I am the the shepherd. I am the water of life, the bread of life. In other words, he's saying, I am everything you need to keep your heart right. But in order to keep your heart right, we must desire to abide in Jesus the heart is the pulse of a passion desire because a person desires to live with Jesus and to have Jesus to live in with him or her, then their impulse for such result is to become active for Jesus. And this activity is displayed for us in John chapter 15. From the context of John 15, 1 through 8, we must ask the question, what does it mean to bear fruit? It means to one Bear converts, according to Romans 1, 13. Two, it means to bear righteousness, Romans 6, 21 to 23. It means to bear Christian character or the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5, 21 to 23. One, it means to bear converts, Romans 1, 13. Two, it means to bear righteousness, Romans 6, 21 to 23. And thirdly, to bear Christian character or the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 21 to 23. From John 15, 3 to 5, we are given the conditions, the conditions for bearing fruit in our Christian life. These conditions are as follows. Cleansing, John 15, verse 3 says, cleansing, talks about cleansing. He says, now you are clean through the word. Which I have spoken unto you now in our in our teaching of cleansing and our dogma or our doctrine, cleansing is that the word consistently refreshes our heart. There's a cleansing that we desire for all men who are not saved or desire to be saved. That cleansing is putting Jesus on through the watery grave of baptism. One must be baptized to be cleansed from sin. According to John chapter 3, even when Jesus came to the, to, to the baptism of John, he said, it must be done. It can, if it's not done, then, then the mission, my mission would not be fulfilled. Yeah, so John baptized Jesus in John 3. Cleansing is also this, the, done through baptism. Uh, it washes away our sins. It gives us a new start in life. Uh, Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans 6, 1, God forbid. How is it then that we that are dead to sin live any longer than end? No, you're not that. As so many of us as were baptized, we're baptized into Jesus Christ. Do we not know that baptism adds us to the body? Baptism cleanses us from sin. Baptism gives us a new generation. Baptism, through baptism, we are translated into the kingdom of God. Through baptism, we are transformed to live and have a new life. One should desire to be baptized because tomorrow 
is not promised unto us. We, it must be as, 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 as it was with the Ethiopian eunuch who had his Bible open, coming from Jerusalem after worship, reading from the book of Isaiah. Philip joined the chariot, and Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? I like that word understand because it comes from a word called hodegos, which simply means guiding, true guidance. There are people like you and I who need true guidance. So many false um, things happening in our world, but we need true guidance. And to have true guidance, we must say, see, here's why. does hinder me to be baptized. And that thought, not only must we have cleansing, but we must abide in Christ. John 15 and 5. John 15 and 5 says these words, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Then, thirdly, we must have obedience. John 15, 10 and 12. John 15, 10 and 12 says um, these words, If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. Uh, and abide in his love. The John 15 and verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. In this Christian walk, we got to learn to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ because Satan is so slick. Satan is so sneaky. Satan is so stubborn. He will always work on you if you, we do not strengthen ourselves to love one another. We can't fight this Christian fight by ourselves. We, we cannot stay faithful by ourselves. We need each other. We need each other in the, because we need to have like-mindedness around us that will encourage us to stay strong, to stay in the battlefield, to love God with all our heart. As a genuine Christian envelops his or her life to do his or her best part to bear fruit for Jesus, then that individual set goals that will motivate them to please Jesus pursue Jesus, and be productive for Jesus, and these goals may be as follows. Um, these goals may be as follows. That is, we must walk in open confession. We must walk in open confession. Um, and an individual walks through life, opening his life to God. He confesses all known sin. He does not walk in sin, and he does not allow any sin to go unconfessed. First John 1, 6-10. A person walks in fellowship with Christ. He lives, moves, and has his being with Christ. He, conti- he communes and lives in the consciousness of God's presence. And from God's presence, he learns of God. He, he draws his strength and authority to live victoriously every day, 1 John 2, 6. A person continues in the church. He has not gone out from the church, 1 John two nineteen. Then in closing, a person possesses confidence. We need confidence in this world. They possess unashamed. They possess unashamedness. They're not ashamed in the life that prepares him or her for eternity. A person does not walk in continuous sin. Yet we will fall, but we learn to lift ourselves up, not to repeat sin over. His experience is constant victory over sin. Do you want victory today? Do you desire victory? Victory, in a sense, simply means to be rescued. Some of you need to be rescued this hour, rescued from doubt. Rescue from your past, rescue from your pain, rescue from torn relationships, rescue from the devil. He will use those things to keep you unattached from Jesus. But thanks be to God, you are abiding in Jesus. 
Christ, you are added in Jesus, and you will be added. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Then why not make him a sin to your heart by confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, and being buried with him in the watery grave of baptism? We pray and trust that something was said and presented from God's word to encourage us to bear much fruit. God bless you, and may he bless you real well. Thank you. I 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this segment of the broadcast is where we have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out, and we want to pose it to my co-host. We also want to encourage our listeners to get involved in that uh, Facebook group on uh, that group on Facebook and get involved in those biblical discussions. Now, my co-host uh, this evening that I'll be answering our Shout It Out question is that powerhouse of a gospel preacher. Robert Lee Johnson from the New Horizon Church of Christ there in Lake City, Florida. Robert Lee Johnson, how you doing, my brother? I guess Thank Robert. You, okay, you ready to I go? I am here. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. I have a. Yeah, can you hear me? I have a doozy of a question for you. Are you ready for the question? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I'm trying to talk. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Here's the question. This question is from an anonymous queries from the state of South Carolina. And the question is, is if baptism is so important, why did Jesus Christ save the thief on the cross? What say you to this question? Well, that's a beautiful uh, question. It's an old question. It's a question that people have uh, wondered about and talked about for many, many uh, years. And I'm thankful that I can give an answer uh, to this question from uh, the Word of God. I'm grateful uh, to be here and and just to be a part of this uh, Bible program. And I trust that uh, this answer will be enlightening to uh, the entire uh, broadcast populace and and uh, those who are in church, those who are out of the church, or wherever they may, uh, wherever men may be uh, found uh, today, who are interested in uh, this question. So uh, let me get to it and and, and see what I can uh, uh, do with it. I appreciate Stevie and all of the other ministers on uh, this broadcast that come and share. Uh, the Word of God. So, 
uh, the question uh, revolves around a person being baptized, and therefore uh, it also uh, revolves around the thief on the cross. If one is saved by uh, baptism, then how is it that the thief was saved and he was not baptized? So that goes back to the question, what about uh, the thief on the cross? That's really uh, what this question is all about. What about the thief on the cross? And so when we read the Bible, what we have discovered that in the preaching of the apostles, uh, they stress that one needed to be baptized. Uh, Paul taught that one needed to be baptized, and we read where uh, the apostle Peter uh, taught that men need to be baptized in order to be saved, in order to form a relationship uh, with God. And when you read the Bible, it is uh, easily to see that baptism is necessary for one to be saved. In Acts 2 and verse number 38, the Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, that is, in order to have your sins forgiven, not because you've been saved, but in order to be saved for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, uh, it is easy to conclude that it is necessary for one to be baptized in order for that person to be saved. Let me give some more scriptures regarding this. The Bible says, in Acts 22 and verse uh, number 16, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, is what that passage says. Uh, Acts 22:16. This has reference to uh, the great apostle Paul, uh, previous to coming to Christ. He worshiped under the Ten Commandments, the law, and therefore thought that he could continue in such worship, uh, uh, that is, honoring the law, uh, even under uh, the New Testament. But Paul had to learn differently, as many of us must learn uh, from the Word of God, that we have to do things the way God says that they must be done. In 1 Peter 3, 21, here is a very clear scripture, the like figure, where unto even baptism doth also now save us. What saves us? It says baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the fifth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, uh, this seems to be consistent with what is taught in the New Testament. And, friends, it is consistent uh, with the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, that's what the Bible says. So, with all of this clear and wonderful teaching on baptism, why is it that some people... Uh, cannot get right because when this subject is introduced, invariably someone will bring this up. But what about the thief on the cross? In Luke 23, let's go there, Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. Uh, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, this is what the thief said unto our Lord. He said, Lord, remember me when thou cometh into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And so this is the most popular objection to one being baptized today. It is a great objection to the necessity of baptism. And despite all that is revealed about the purpose of baptism in the Bible, there are those who will allow uh, this account regarding the thief on the cross to totally color their uh, understanding of what one must do uh, to be saved. Now, the objection can be summarized like this. The thief on the cross was not baptized. That's what people would tell you. They say the thief was saved, and then they add, therefore, Baptism is not essential to salvation. And so to that we have to ask the question, is such reasoning valid? Might there be something the objector uh, to baptism is failing to take into consideration? A significant fact that renders the salvation of the thief irrelevant to uh, the issue of baptism uh, one should be able to consider everything regarding this particular uh, account if uh, we are really trying to get to uh, the truth and really trying to understand what God wants us to know about baptism and regarding whether or not the thief on the cross uh, is a proper uh, a story or account that releases people from being baptized uh, today. So then the question, what about the thief on the cross? So let us look at a, a few things here, and then we'll try to draw things together uh, without spending too much time. Jesus had the power to save this thief. We cannot deny that the thief was not saved. The thief was saved. And what we need to take into consideration 
is that while on earth, Jesus had the authority to forgive sins. Jesus exercised this authority on several occasions. In Luke 5, 18 through 26, we read about the paralytic. And the Bible says, And behold, men brought a bed, a man which was taken with a uh, palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tile and uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. That's what Jesus said. When he, we looked up and saw how those people were coming in there with this man. They wanted that man to be healed. And Christ just said the words, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason uh, ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say that be forgiven thee, or to say rise uh, and walk, or rise up and walk. But that you may know, now listen to what Christ says, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said, Unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up that couch, and go into, thy, into thine house. And the Bible says, And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that uh, whereon he lay, and departed to his own house. The Bible says, Glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. And so Christ said to this man, your sins be forgiven thee. Uh, another example is Luke seven thirty six through 50. We find where Jesus uh, healed this sinful uh, woman. And uh, again, the people were amazed uh, with his power. But Christ had the power uh, to forgive sins while he tabernacled on the earth. He could do that. And as a result of that, many people were really amazed uh, at his power on earth. So Christ offered salvation to this thief. Look at uh, Luke twenty-three forty-two again. The thief asked, Lord, remember me when you cometh uh, into your kingdom. And the Bible says, this is, these are Jesus' words, and he said unto, uh, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou cometh into thy kingdom. And Jesus replied, Surely I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And so that is a place of safety, and a place of comfort. And certainly we can see the power of Christ as he extended forgiveness to the thief uh, on the cross. But let me make a few points as we uh, close out 
uh, the lesson, uh, this question. Number one, the thief was saved before baptism was commanded. Remember that now. Jesus saved the thief before the giving of the Great Commission and the command for men to be baptized. And so the baptism under discussion was commanded by our Lord. Look at Matthew. Open your Bible to Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28, uh, 18 uh, through 20. And then again, in the book of Mark, chapter 16, 15 and 16, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall uh, be damned or condemned. And so it is easily seen here that this baptism under the new covenant, under the uh, will of Christ, which began on the day of Pentecost and will last until the end of the world. And the baptism of the Great Commission is the baptism uh, that is required for it enters one into uh, the body of Christ where we're able to reach uh, his death. In Romans 6, 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up uh, from the dead, the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so this baptism was not commanded in Abraham's day. This baptism was not commanded in Daniel's day. This baptism was not commanded uh, in the days of the patriarchs. But it was commanded in the New Testament uh, after Jesus died on the cross. And so that's the difference. The thief died before uh, Jesus issued the command for men to be baptized. The apostles were to go in all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That baptism was under the new covenant, and therefore it uh, it is uh, a baptism that all uh, must hereby receive and obey if they are to be in covenant relationship uh, to uh, uh, with our Lord. And so the thief was never subject to that baptism because Jesus, uh, uh, the thief died before Christ, our Lord, set into uh, 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 rather before Christ commanded the 
New Testament baptism uh, in the New Testament. Uh, and so he died previous to that, and therefore he was never subject uh, to New Testament uh, baptism. So those are some of the things that we have to keep in mind as we study this uh, particular subject. The thief on the cross died before Jesus gave uh, the commandment to be uh, baptized. And so, very quickly, we recognize that there are two different covenants here. In Deuteronomy 5, 2 through 3, uh, God made a covenant with Israel. Be good to read that when you have time. And then in the New Testament uh, covenant, which came into existence after the death of Jesus on the cross, uh, Jesus issued that covenant, and it was ratified by his blood, and he died on the cross to bring it into existence. In Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, we see where the law of Moses was taken out of the way. In Colossians 2, 14 through 16, we see where the law, again, was taken out of the way. But the Bible says this covenant in Hebrews 8, 6, and 7, but now hath he attained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. And so the thief lived under the Mosaic covenant. The thief lived at a time previous to the command for one to be baptized for the remission of his sins. In Matthew 26, 27, and 28, the Bible says that Jesus took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. You read in Hebrews 9, 15 through 17, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of inheritance. For where a testament is, there must of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force, after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. And so Christ had to die to bring in the new covenant. The thief lived under the old covenant and was not subject to uh, the new covenant uh, stipulations. And so we have to remember this when we uh, ask this question. Uh, we need to understand that we now live under this new covenant. Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I conclude by saying this. The thief was saved on the cross without baptism, for which we should be thankful, for which we should give God praise for his wonderful grace. But the thief Example is irrelevant to the issue of baptism. Uh, he died before Christ ever issued the command to be baptized into his death. 
He lived under the old covenant, which did not require baptism into Christ's body. The thief on the cross would be relevant if you live before the command to be baptized into Christ was given. If one lived under the old covenant, uh, you were in the house of Christ, and he told you, surely, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So you can't go back and get under that covenant. But, friends, we can be under the covenant of Jesus Christ. When the people raised the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said on the New Testament law, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. I would really encourage you to find a faithful church of Christ, attend that church, friends, and listen to the word of God and a lot of minister to help you along uh, the way as he discusses the differences in the covenants and points out today we must be baptized in water because of the New Testament command of Jesus. Thank you very much. I hope in some small way I have been able to help you, and I trust that the word of God I will continue to direct your life. Thank you so much. God bless you. Hope I didn't use too much time. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh, you promised me that you would be there for me. Show me the way, yeah. You promised me, yes, you did, that you would be there for me. You would be there. You told me that you would be my guide. In your will, I will abide. You stay by my side. You're never. Every second, every minute, every hour. Never change. Never change. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know I know Dr. Frank thought he was gonna get another song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Frank, we're going to bring you on now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Dr. Frank Washington from the West Broward Church of Christ, and his subject is The Greatest Rejection. Thank you so much, very, uh, very much, there, Brother Stevie. I thank you so much for allowing me to do this one, one more time. Uh, thank the listeners who are listening and those who support your program. Uh, may they continue to do it, and may you continually be blessed, and may all those who are who have spoken, uh, may they be blessed in their ministry as well. Rejection may be one of the most painful things we have to face in life. Uh, we all have been rejected, every one of us, you, me, anyone you ever have ever come uh, in contact with, uh, have received some form of or encountered some form uh, of rejection. Uh, we all have experienced the pain uh, that comes from rejection, the embarrassment, humiliation, of being cast aside, turned down, and even overlooked. Uh, but like most kids, um, a lot of kids have been rejected in school, uh, and sometimes even at church. Uh, but rejection is uh, really terribly bad. It brings us to tears. It leaves us with that empty feeling in our gut and sends our minds into a tailspin of doubt, despair, and discouragement. But even though rejection is hard, my friend, it's also good. Well, God, why is it so good? Because it points us to God who always accepts us. Uh, had I been the strong and fast and smart and cool kid, uh, I may have not needed Jesus. 
Uh, but the rejection of the world prepared, he, prepared me as well as many others uh, for acceptance of God. The passage we'll be looking at today is in Mark chapter 12, 1 through 12. Uh, this passage of scripture we're going to study tonight says that Jesus also experienced rejection, but that it was marvelously used by God to accomplish his purpose. And so the main point of Mark 12 uh, is that God's son will be rejected only to be vindicated and that those who reject him will be judged. And so we can divide, this lesson can go in several ways, but I'm going to use it this way tonight. We can divide the lesson up into three sections. First, the tenants reject the servants. Second, the tenants reject the son. And third, uh, God rejects uh, the tenants. So let's look at the tenants rejecting the servants. In verse 1 through 5, we see the tenants of the vineyard reject the owner's servants. Uh, Let's quickly identify who and what each element of Jesus' story represents. Uh, The vineyard is God's people of Israel. The owner, of course, is God. Uh, The tenants are Israel's leaders. Uh, The servants are the prophets, uh, and the owner's beloved son is Jesus. And so Jesus is saying that God, the landowner, leased his property to tenants, uh, to tenant farmers, the Jewish leadership. But when he sent his servants, the prophets, to collect fruit from the vineyard, treated, and many of them were killed. So what did he do next? He sent more servants, uh, but they received the same treatment. So finally, the uh, the owner sends his son, Jesus, because surely they'll respect him. Uh, But the tenants get rid of him in hopes of gaining the vineyard for themselves. And so at this point, the landowner intervenes decisively. He destroys the wicked tenants uh, and gives the vineyard to other people. So who is Jesus talking to in this parable? Uh, The them in verse 1 are the delegates from the Jewish Sanhedrin. And verse number 1 would have immediately, verse 1, would have immediately reminded them of one of the most famous parables in the Old Testament in Isaiah 5, uh, verse number 1. There are many similarities between these two parables, but the one major difference is that in Isaiah's parable, the parable is uh, a fruitless vineyard. Uh, The nation of Israel was failing to produce the fruit of righteousness, verse number 7. And so in Jesus' parable, the problem is the unrighteous of the unrighteousness of the tenants or leaders of the nation of Israel. And so the men Jesus was speaking to understood this. So Jesus' story is addressing the corrupt and wicked leadership at the temple. Uh, But remember the context of this section of Mark. In chapters 11 through 12, Jesus goes on on to Jerusalem, uh, to the temple, to produce judgment on the temple and replace it as the place where God meets Uh, with humanity. Just as the fruitless fig tree uh, withered away, so will the fruitless fruitless temple. So starting in uh, verse 11 uh, and 27 through the end of the chapter 12, Mark presents a series of seven conflict stories uh, between Jesus and the religious leaders, and the temple and its leaders must be exposed for their corruption. So we saw in uh, pre, if you can if you go to previous chapters in uh, verse uh, 29 through 30, that what happened at John's baptism of Jesus tells us why Jesus has authority to do what he's doing. 
Uh, he's the son filled with, the, with God's spirit. Jesus, therefore, speaks and acts with the authority of God, but not all receive his authority. Uh, the son's authority will be rejected by the religious leaders, and this is what we see next in Jesus' parable. So the first part of the parable is the tenants reject the servants. Here we find that the, ten- the tenants will reject the son. So in verse 6 through 8, we see the tenants of the vineyard kill the owner's son. Verse 6 is the climax of the parable. The tenants are misleading, they're mistreating, they're killing the owner's servants at an increasing rate until finally the owner sends someone who's not a servant. If you ever get a chance to read uh, this parable in Mark chapter 12, it'll almost sound you know, like a comedy or uh, a drama. You know, people come and, you know, they get beat up and then someone else comes and the servants or, or the tenants, you know, beat them up too. It, it, if you get a chance to read it, you, you, you'll find that there's some very interesting points uh, that we uh, need to understand today. And we'll get to that uh, near the end of this lesson. But the tenants reject the son. The tenants are mistreating and they're killing the owner's servant uh, faster than they come. But then he sends uh, his beloved son. Now, Think about this for a moment, people. The owner's servants are getting slaughtered. They're getting beat up. They're getting, you know, they show up, they get knocked out. As a matter of fact, they're getting beat so bad or they're they're getting beat worse than my Dallas Cowboys on a Sunday afternoon. And so many of them were beaten and killed. But yet the owner decides to send his most precious possession to these evil, uh, murderous men. But what landowner in his right mind would send their kids to talk to people like this? It just doesn't make sense. I got a sermon called uh, When God Just Doesn't Make Sense. This doesn't make sense. What kind of father would send his son to people who despise his authority and mistreat his servants, to people who've you know, beaten and killed every single other person that the landowner sent. Well, God is the kind of the father who would. Uh, the simple act of God sending his son shows us how much he loves people who don't love him. God loves us so much that he sent us his son in John chapter 3 and verse 16. God is holy, and we've rejected him. We therefore deserve his judgment, but in mercy, he sends us Jesus instead of judgment. Uh, The sending of the Son of God reveals the love of God that we need to remember and and remember this when we doubt or wonder whether God loves us. He loves us. He does. He loves you and me uh, because he sent his Son, Jesus, uh, for us. Now, the Son comes with the Father's authority, and this is why the owner says, uh, they will respect my Son. Well, The son isn't a hireling like a servant. He's the heir, and there's a difference. But he almost comes, but he also comes with the father's compassion because he's the beloved son. Now, we know this is referring to Jesus because two times, two other times in Mark's gospel, God the Father calls Jesus his beloved son. And once when he was baptized by John, he says, You are my beloved. And once when he was transfigured, this is my beloved son, uh, verse 9 and verse number 7. So 
Jesus, Jesus was sent like the prophets were sent, but he's fundamentally different from the prophets. He is God's own son. He has an unprecedented role in Israel's history and in God's plan of redemption. To say that Jesus is merely a prophet or a good teacher fails to reckon uh, with what Jesus says about himself in this parable. But uh, as many people say uh, that this is a low view of Jesus and, and, and it doesn't make sense why Christians and, and churches uh, fall to heresy. But in seven, but verses 7 and 8 say that tenants reject the love of the owner. And in first century Palestine, a piece of land could be acquired by tenants if there was no living person to claim it. And these tenants want the vineyard for themselves, so they kill the son thinking that they have what is rightfully theirs. The son was treated just like the servants. Jesus is saying that Israel killed and mistreated everyone God sent them. Israel didn't want to hear from God. So they tried to silence all of his spokespeople. But the word of the Lord is rejected, but will be heard. And so we must not be too hard on Israel, even though they rejected Jesus. We also don't want to hear from God because we say things that uh, we don't like to hear. But I think it's, I think uh, uh, I was reading Tim Keller who says, that if our God always agrees with you, then you're not worshiping the one true God. Keep that in mind. What we want to do is we want to rule our own lives. So if we can dispense with God, then we can become God. And this is why many try to silence God by doing all they can to silence his people and his preachers and ministers. But his word will continue to go out. Uh, his voice will be heard, and all flesh is grass, First Peter, all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man is the flowers of grass, the grass withers, and the flowers fade away. But the word of God will remain forever. And this is the word. This is the good news uh, that was preached unto you, First Peter 1, 24, 25. Now, one commentator uh, on this says, what is the sum total of human history, if not the attempt to rid the universe of God? Well, ever since the Garden of Eden. Uh, we believe the lie of the serpent and question the goodness of the word of God, assuming that God is keeping something from us, that he's against our joy rather than for it. But in his grace, he stubbornly refuses not to be heard. He keeps sending his word out, the word of his grace and love of Jesus. This is the main thing God is doing in the world, revealing his love to his people through his word. Uh, this has massive implications for our lives even today. Uh, is the word of God heard and cherished and studied and memorized and meditated in your life? Well, I would hope so. Is his goodness seen in uh, proportion to the amount of time uh, you and I spend in study of his word compared to games and shows and TVs and videos and all the other things that, you know, take our attention away from God's word? Do we pray for the preaching of the word? Do uh, do you want others to hear the word of God, like we're doing on this program here, that uh, Brother Steve uh, has put has taken his uh, time and effort and talent uh, to provide the word of God to, to communities all over this nation? Uh, is God functionally silent in your life? Does anyone hear his voice through you? Does anyone hear God's voice through you? Is God's voice being heard? in your community, at work, 
Is his voice being heard through you? Well, the word of the Lord is rejected by many, but uh, it will be heard and received and loved uh, and spread, and it will not. Uh, it will not fail. Now, finally, God rejects the tenants. Those who reject the word of God and the Son of God will receive the judgment of God. And verses 9 through 12 say that God will reject the tenants, the, Israel, the leaders of Israel, because they rejected his son. And so Jesus answers his own question in verse 9 when he says that the owner of the vineyard will destroy those who kill his son and give his vineyard to others. God will reject those who rejected his son and who will continue to reject his son. He will judge those who judged his son. Now, the vineyard. That's judged. But the tenants, the nation of Israel is not totally rejected by God, but its corrupt leaders are. God still has a plan for Israel. But Jesus also says that the vineyard will be given to others. Now, who are the others? The others who get his vineyard or vineyard are the Gentiles. God's new people, you and me, will be made up of Jews and Gentiles. Uh, this new people is called the church. It'll become the new and true Israel. Israel. The church will be made up of people from among all the peoples. Jesus signaled this when he cleared the court of the Gentiles at the temple. Believes God believes that all lives matter. He wanted to make room for all the nations to worship and know God. The temple authorities failed to include the nations in their system, but Jesus knew that God's house must be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, God's vineyard will be as ethnically diverse as the world he made. So if you're uncomfortable with people of other ethnicities, you'll be very uncomfortable in God's kingdom. Let me say that again. If you're uncomfortable with people of other ethnicities, and you don't take time to spend the word or preach the word or teach the word to other ethnicities, you'll be very uncomfortable in God's kingdom. So moving on in verse 10 through 11, Jesus suggests that the religious leaders should have known what was coming. Have you not read, Jesus said, verse number 10? Uh, then he quotes from Psalm 118:22. He says, uh, these verses that say that God's cornerstone would be rejected, but also vindicated, and that his rejection was all according to plan. So Jesus is that cornerstone or capstone that will support the whole together, the new building that God is constructing. Now, the despised and neglected stone cast aside by the builders will become the keystone or cornerstone of a whole new temple that God is building through Jesus. This temple is called the church. It's where God's spirit dwells and where all the nations of the world are drawn together by the love of God and grace of God revealed in the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death is the foundation for the church and the new and everlasting people of God. So rejection is one of those most painful things we have to face in life, but even though rejection is hard, it's also good. Rejection uh, of the world reminds us of our acceptance by God. It's accepted or accepted by God. So 
In a marvelous and mysterious way, God's acceptance of us is based on the rejection of his son. Jesus was cast aside so we could be welcomed. Jesus was overlooked so we could be chosen. Jesus was abandoned so we could be adopted. Jesus was rejected. Oh, was he rejected so we could be accepted. Jesus died so we could live. The glory of the gospel, my friend, is that God sent Jesus to do this for people who didn't like him. We're the wicked tenants who haven't respected God's servants or God's son. We've not wanted to listen to the owner of the land. We've preferred to run the vineyard ourselves. Indeed, we've preferred to steal the vineyard uh, for ourselves, taking from God what's rightfully his. We are no better than these tenants or the religious leaders Jesus was speaking to. We deserve the same thing they did. The owner of the vineyard was has every right to come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. My friend, God doesn't owe us anything but judgment. But in love, he decided to send Jesus instead of judgment. In a marvelous way of display of mercy, God sends the best thing uh, he has to the worst people he knows. He gives us his son, his precious boy, so that we can become his son and we can become his daughters. Uh, everyone who admits their sin, confess their need of a savior and puts their trust in Jesus, those people will be granted some acceptance by God. So everyone who marvels at Jesus rejects him or Jesus' rejection for their acceptance is called into a new family, the church. The apostle Peter uses the imagery of chosen stones to describe this in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in Christ, we become living, precious, beautiful, choice stones that make up God's house the place where the holiness of God dwells on the earth, the place where God is worshipped among all nations. Christian, don't, don't underestimate what you are in Christ. Friends, visitors, loved ones, you are in who you are in Christ. You're not a dirty rock. You're one of millions of living stones holding up the house of God, created by the word of God, built on the Son of God full of the spirit of God. The local church is more precious and powerful than you realize. It's where God chooses chooses to live. It's where you will find peace. You'll find life. Brothers and sisters, don't neglect the local church to their own detriment. The rejection of Jesus is marvelous because it brings us to God and makes us the house of God. So if you're not saved, why don't you be saved? And if you are saved, keep doing what you're supposed to do uh, to remain saved. Uh, I hope this lesson helped you tonight. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen and stay in God's grip. God bless. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Yeah.
you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into our broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media. And I also want to thank both of my co-hosts on the broadcast, Dr. Frank Washington and Courtney Carruthers, though not in that order, but they both did an outstanding job. To, I just felt like listening. I, I really listened to the broadcast tonight. These brothers always come with great lessons from the Word of God, and I, I take none of this for granted, so I certainly appreciate their efforts on the show tonight. Also, I want to thank my co-host, Robert Lee Johnson. He did an outstanding job in answering that question regarding baptism and the thief on the cross. Always a good question to consider. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It's our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show this evening have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in to this radio broadcast, but you're giving yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stephen Arbol, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Thinking about what you've done for me in my life I just want to say what you really mean to me You're my everything, my joy and peace You're the reason why I sing Lord, I don't deserve anything you give me So I just gotta say thank you oh, For tonight, for your love and grace So I just gotta tell you this mm-hmm. I will always
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And if you miss me from singing, singing. and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to glory. glory. I'll be singing the best. Yes, I will. And Episode 257. Your blessing, blessing to me, Lord. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.